You? <laughs> well, I want you women to know that I was fully opposed to this degenerate, depraved, immoral, perverted, and indecent proposal. But if it must occur... <laughs> Hi, welcome back to Draining the Swamp. I'm Zach. I'm Maxie. I think I messed up the timing on that uh, intro quote a little bit, but uh, no one noticed, except me. And now everybody, now that you've told them. Well, yeah, but th- you know that's the realities of production, you know? You gotta be honest with people. That's true. Just like how uh, we didn't have an episode last week because my computer exploded. Your computer did just like... You've been getting hammered a lot, but the computer was maybe the worst part. Uh, the one I was most upset about was the uh, box fan. Because it it was really like after an April of like an average temperature of about 30, 35, we had a, a, a scorcher and I didn't call Sears. <laughs> no, here's the thing. We have an air conditioning unit, but the way our apartment is like set up. We only have west windows, so it's really hot here in the afternoon, and we don't really get a cross breeze. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now, the the fan is off, and I'm already, like, working up a sweat in here, because it's actually making me want to, like, set up some live EQ or something, just so we can have the fan on at the same time. I'm going to become, I'm going to get an actual audio engineer degree <sighs> in order to have the fan on while we record this. But, but so yeah, so like what actually happened was my CPU overheated. I can relate to that. Well, does that happen because a fan just stops working and then you don't notice in time until everything <laughs> explodes? Because I specifically, <laughs> so I really did it to myself because there's a setting in the BIOS of my old computer, my now old computer, um, that was always, uh, uh, getting some sort of error. There was a CPU fan error, but I could look inside my computer and see the CPU fan was spinning and everything was fine. So I disabled the thing in the BIOS that alerts the CPU if the CPU fan isn't spinning. And then the CPU stopped spinning for real. Mm, I see. But also it was like a 10 year old CPU. And uh, turns out that's like actually a weird bottleneck. And then you got to get a new motherboard and then you got to get a new RAM and then I got to go to Best Buy two days in a row. I wonder if they recognized me at the uh, store pickup counter picking up RAM and then the next day picking up something else as if to admit I fucked up. I got I needed, I needed one more thing. But uh, it's built now. Uh, I, I can't say that I've been doing anything quite as exciting. I did see a doctor, though. So, you know, that's related to the show, isn't it? It's exactly like I'm. I'm so glad doctors are real. After Mash, they made them real. <laughs> yeah, too bad I've they only made heard them so expensive. St- I've only heard stories about them. I have not actually seen one in a long time. But um, I hope when I do get to see one, they'll make as many jokes as the ones in the show do. Well, here's the thing about doctors. Sometimes you need one to just like touch your dick a bit to make sure that your dick is fine. 
and my dick is fine. So that's good. Well, I'm glad he... <laughs> well, parts that they need to touch. Why... Listen, I don't think I need to get into too much detail about what I was worried was happening with my dick. Safe to say, I was worried some stuff was going on with my dick, but my dick is fine. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Listen, on this show, they're always, like, hinting at dicks and pussies and tits and so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah, we haven't seen one yet. <laughs> I mean, we're never going to see one. It was 70s broadcast television. I would have snuck one in. <laughs> You're like Tyler Durden in Fight Club, just one frame. When they don't expect it. See, before there was a lot of like home video back then, not a lot of people would have the capability to rewatch stuff and go through things frame by frame. But now if you put a dick in a Netflix show, everyone's going to know the moment the season drops. That's the problem. Uh, season 1, episode 12. Dear Dad. The first of many is my understanding. Yeah, there's already another episode in season one called Dear Dad 2. So they were already <laughs> running out of ideas, I guess. Uh, in this ep, uh, Klinger goes ape shit. Yeah. Henry tells us everything he knows about sex. Mm -hmm. And Santa's real. That's true. Santa is real. You looked at me confused. I, and I, I understand had to, like, why. Because <laughs> it's been a week. And also you don't practice. Uh, listen, I when I was a kid, you know, I was Christian, I grew up believing in Santa Claus, and then I found out he wasn't real when I was, like, nine and a half, and it destroyed me inside. How old was I when... It, it, it psychologically devastated me, and I could never trust again. Uh, I mean, everyone, everyone has that moment. Uh, some more than others, I think. Here's the thing. I think the fundamental divide in this country is between... Kids who learned Santa wasn't real and they were like, oh, okay. And kids who learned Santa wasn't real and like had an existential crisis, like, if Santa's not real, how do I know what? Jesus is the Messiah? And then they what just What else convert. are they lying about? Exa fucking exactly, though. Like, honestly, listen, it sounds it sounds a little grandiose, I'm aware, but I feel like that you was... You know, I thought there was no false prophets. Oh, there's so fucking money. Dude, no, historically, do you know you know how many fucking people claiming to be the Messiah there were in ancient Rome? It was insane. I would have been one of them. No, you wouldn't. Zach, I love you so much. You would, I would be like, hey, you want to see if we can convince some people you're the Messiah? And you'd yeah, be no, like, yeah. I'll, I'll predict an eclipse once, and then everyone would go apeshit. No, Zach, you'd be like, ah, oh, I could get in trouble, and like... I got plans on Saturday. This doesn't sound like me at all. Literally earlier I'm today. I'm not afraid of getting in trouble, and I don't have plans on Saturday. Right, <laughs> right before we recorded this podcast, I was like, you know, somebody should probably do something about all the awful shit. And you're like, eh, it can be somebody else. I don't feel like it. Well, yeah, that's like a lot more complicated, though. That's what, what do you think? You think the Messiah just sits around like, yeah, I don't know. Well, what are the apostles for? Uh, proselytizing, mostly, is my understanding. Alright, so they got it under control. Yeah, okay, but, like, the whole thing is that, like, miracles were attributed to Jesus, and whether you believe in those or not, like, it's, it's you have to have those. You can't just go around being like, okay, oh, I, man. I can think of some. Okay. 
You can, you can get a guy to pretend to be dead and then be like, oh, I'm miraculously alive. I'll make a robot that can play chess by hiding a little man inside. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it's not that late. It's like nine. Uh, so yes. So so the setup for this episode is basically uh, 23 short films of Springfield, except uh, Hawkeye's writing a letter to his dad and being like, have I told you about Radar? This crazy kid is stealing a jeep here's okay here's the thing about this episode insane that it was not the pilot well it had to be the christmas episode i get that it had to be the christmas episode but at the same time it is like meticulously introduced like here's henry here's his bit here's radar here's his bit here's uh frank and Houlihan. here's their bits and it's like man they just sort of dumped us into episode one but now like halfway through the season they're just giving us a little recap it's weird what i think is funny is that i guess uh i think in the show the reason ho john and ugly john and oliver don't show up again is hawkeye just stopped writing about them he's not in any letters he's sending back to his dad Mm -hmm. which is surprising considering that he's going to be like living there or whatever yeah, then his dad already knows who Ojon is. <laughs> he doesn't know who Radar is, the kid that's stealing a jeep. Which is apparently like an old uh, army urban legend that someone mailed a jeep home piece by piece. How old an urban legend could it be? Weren't jeeps introduced in like World War II? Yeah. This is, this is Korea. This is like five years later or some shit. That's true. Like how, how did the, the rumor spread all the way to, to Radar? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he had an older brother in the service. True. Or maybe he came up with the idea himself. So, a real innovator. So yeah, Radar is, throughout the episode, in the middle of everyone else's little vignettes, like you can see Radar in the background, like hauling like a car door or a big old tire, because he is mailing home a Jeep piece by piece. Uh, I looked up to see if there was anyone on record that actually did that. Um, and apparently there was a guy someone knew that was stationed in Thailand that mailed an entire motorcycle home. Mm. Uh, But nothing with a Jeep. So that that means it it never happened or no one got caught. Uh, So yeah, that's pretty much just Radar's whole bit is... Hawkeye's like, we didn't know what Radar was doing with all these Jeep parts until we did an x-ray on the package. Except this is before x-rays, so they used a uh, fluoroscope. Man, I didn't realize it took them that long to, like, figure out x-rays. Well, it's more about, like, displaying the x-ray. I see. So, like, this is back when shit was cool and and mad science shit. So you use, like, a layer of paper with some sort of, like, fluorescent chemical on it. And then you would make some sort of image with the x-rays. I see. Uh, Henry tries to give a lecture on marital sex, and he's he's specifically like, uh, listen, the the officers don't have to attend this. It's just for the enlisted men. But everybody's like, no, we want we want to be here. We yes. want to we want to see you stumble over your every word like you're a thirteen year old trying to explain it to your younger brother. Radar seems genuinely interested, as if like I, I don't know if radar. Nobody knows. taught radar what sex is. No, radar doesn't know what sex is. 
He's, he, until now, he's still believed in the stork. <laughs> um, the Henry bit's getting old. I get it. He can't hold down a crowd. I don't know. I enjoyed this, it. I mean, this scene was funny because he talked about sex. <laughs> uh, I, I like the bit where he shows, like, bathroom sign-style silhouettes of a man and a woman. And uh, he's like, uh, who can tell me which one is which? And somebody just calls out, the one with the big hips is the man. <laughs> Represent- Femboy rights. Representation, finally. Isn't it weird thinking about how cheating was, like, a literal crime? Crime. That you could go to prison for. Yeah. I'm sure they won't Weird try and vibes. bring that back in like 10 years. I didn't know that was like an actual thing until L.A. Noir, <laughs> And then it was like the whole back third of that game. Uh, you know what stuck out to me in this scene is... Henry at one point calls heterosexual sex the most sublime expression of love. And you just see Radar like horrified. <laughs> Oh, no. He's a farm boy. He's seen, like, cows giving birth. Oh, I just figured, you know, he was sad that he wouldn't get that from fucking a dude. Oh, okay. Could be both. I mean, yeah, it just means all the connection he had with Henry maybe wasn't as true as he thought. Uh, let's see. Who's who's his next? Oh, yeah, Clingers. I'm sure his will be normal. Well, I guess it's technically Father Mulcahy's... Well, Father Mulcahy and Trapper both have pretty short and simple Oh, things. yeah, they actually gave Trapper, like, a, a character trait in this one. Yeah, he... Turns out he's good with kids. Yeah, he, he's he's helping out uh, the local civilians, giving them, like, free medical help, medical consultations and such. Uh, and Father Mulcahy is, like, trimming a Christmas tree they got, but they don't have any ornaments, so he's just putting, like, stethoscopes popcorn. in popcorn. Yeah, Well, popcorn, uh, popcorn garlands were a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I've... How long has popcorn been around? Oh, popcorn's been around... I mean, here's the thing. Popcorn's been around since at least the early 1900s, because I remember it actually played a big role in the popularization of... Uh... I can't remember whether it was the original popularization of film or if it just helped to get really big and stay big during the Depression, because it was like a cheap and abundant food mm-hmm. that you could just eat and snack on, and it was at the I theater. I mean, like, it's fucking good pull. Yeah. No, they figured it great. out. Honestly, I'm. This is me talking out my ass. So like, I would I would look this up. I feel like I remember learning a while back that like popcorn might date back to pre-Columbian times because you know you have maize. all you need is corn and yeah. heat. I, I feel like somebody probably figured that out before yeah. anybody from Europe actually got here. And then some perverts from Europe came, started putting sugar in it. Oh, okay. You're anti-kettle corn? This is this yeah. is what's going to tear us apart? I mean, it's not going to be a problem, because if you ever have kettle corn, I just won't have any. I'll buy my own. Okay, what about that, like, about that Illinois corn? That that, that mix of cheese and caramel corn? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the shit. Uh, you would always get it in big tins. Yeah! So, uh, I don't associate that with Illinois. I associate it with uh, North Carolina. Uh, because my uncle would always send us a big tin, the, the three divided tin. Yeah, no, we had those too. It uh, was like one was regular popcorn, one was the cheese, one was the caramel. And it would last us like a month. What, what was the one that was always like left over? I'm going to be honest, Zach. I usually saw those tins at like mid-sized family gatherings and they were gone by the end of the evening. All three 
like uh, yes. slices. I you know I feel like maybe uh, either the normal popcorn or the caramel corn lasted a little longer. More cheese for me. Oh wait, no, that's less, the opposite. Less cheese for you. Oh, yeah, it's because I ate all the cheese popcorn. I see. So yeah, he's like hanging up all this stuff, trying to be festive about it. Uh, uh, and Klinger is wearing a very understated outfit, just a bandana. And apparently, as everyone knows, it's most Kl- Klinger's favorite, uh, most famous trait in the show is his famous I- iconic bandana. And Frank is fucking pissed. He's like, "This is a small uniform discrepancy." You're, you're gonna take that thing off, and I'm gonna tear it to shreds and scatter it to the ashes. To scatter it to the five winds. Never to be seen again. And Klinger is understandably upset by this. But less understandably, storms out after a fight with Frank, comes back with a grenade! Uh-huh. He's like, you let, you let me keep this scarf or I'm gonna blow us both to smithereens. And Father Mulcahy has to intervene. It's a whole thing. You think this is a Section 8 ploy? It, it must be. It, it, it's gotta be. I, I want a throwaway line five seasons from now where Klinger's like, Oh yeah, you guys didn't think that was a real grenade, did you? It, it is the next logical step after the dress thing fails. I want him to continue escalating and like... Eventually, he's just the one who blows up uh, Henry's chopper. Oh, no! <laughs> if fragging my superior officer doesn't get me sent home, nothing will. I mean, Cowboy tried. <laughs> cowboy did try. See how that worked out for him. So, yeah, uh, Father Mulcahy talks Klinger down from literally killing everyone. Does the whole, like, gentle, like, hold out the hand... Give me the grenade, Klinger. And his uh, his religious rigor is just too strong for Klinger's mind to overcome, so he calms down. He, he will load him. <laughs> uh, then, so here's the most like pilot part of the episode to me is when we just get like exposition on Frank and Houlihan. Yeah, and the fact that they're fucking. It, well, you know. I guess Hawkeye's been here for a number of months and has yet to tell his dad uh, that two of his colleagues are fucking. Mm-hmm. I get, but I guess he's writing home about how, how much he's fucking all the time. Which Hell is kind of, yeah. Kind of a weird vibe. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we see Frank and Houlihan making out for like uncomfortably long. Like it's they needed a little to fill weird. Time. They needed to... It does come across as padding, uh, but then they just get destroyed by a cavalcade of pranks set up by Hawkeye and Trapper. Uh, they have the they have the trick candle that doesn't go out, which does not seem like that um, hard to deal with. But they're really bothered and freaked out by this candle that doesn't go out. But what if people look inside the tent and the lights on and they can see them fucking? So then they go to the bed, but then the bed's legs are sawed off so that they fall down. There's a pillowcase full of pudding, I guess. Oh, that yeah. One, <laughs> that one seemed a little, like... Random. <laughs> Random. <laughs> if you don't laugh into the mic, I have to cut all of it out. <laughs> 
Sorry, I was I was a little debilitated for a moment there by random. You know, it's just that random irreverent humor that really really, really strikes to the heart. Uh, so. Oh, I, I do like the shot we get after the pudding pillow thing, where we just see Hawkeye and Trapper, like, lounging in bed, settling down for the night, and soothed then- by the sound of screaming in the distance. And so then we kind of, like, cut de- cut back to, like, the present, right? Like, he's done writing the letter, and it turns out it's, like, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. uh... And Hawkeye has been chosen to be the Santa for all of the Korean kids that I guess know who Santa is. So, this is something I kind of want to dig into. Like, I know there's a big... There is, yeah, there's a larger Christian population in Korea than most areas of Asia. I've always wondered if that was, like, related to the Korean War, if it, like, dates back further. It was... I, I mean, I honestly don't know. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that, like, army chaplains would take the opportunity to spread Christianity around Korea while they're there. Um, I'm going to look this up real quick, and you can just cut out the dead air. Oh, that's, like, what I don't want to spend time doing. I'll just fill time by uh, talking about the rest of the episode. So, Hawkeye is the Santa for these kids... Uh, and right when he's getting dressed up, which, by the way, brings us to our first and only Slashy Mash quote in this episode. You realize if my father sees this, you'll have to marry me. I would marry you for five dollars. Very snippy response from Trapper. I feel like he's hiding something. I mean, five dollars isn't that much. I bet he'd do it for ten. It's back in the 50s. That's like 25 bucks. That's true. Uh, anyway... So, no, it's not, like, directly related to the war in Korea. Apparently, um, it, it, there was a conversion boom uh, after World War II when they were freed from Japanese occupation. They just love this Jesus guy. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say that Christian missionaries did not perhaps take advantage of the situation. Uh, but, you know... If somebody liberated me, I'd probably be like, okay, that's pretty cool. This guy with the beard seems all right. <laughs> this guy with the beard does seem pretty great. So yeah, he, he's... I will say, though, this, like, beard is so fucked up. It just... It's made out of cotton balls or something. No, but, but like, the shape of it, and, it like, it looks weird with Hawkeye's face. He looks like the most terrifying Santa in the world. He, he does look like a pretty, like, intimidating Santa. I, he does not look like a friendly Santa. But more importantly, so, like, they get him all dressed up. He's about to go into, like, the mess hall or whatever. And then Henry comes by. He's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see you guys. Uh... There's a a problem somewhere. I guess some guy got hurt. It's a war, I guess. Um, and they need to like airlift a doctor in to to help him out. So Trapper says, "Okay, I'll go." Uh, but it turns out Hawkeye is like more of a thoracic surgeon. Um, so they send him. Uh, and he's just still in the Santa. He's outfit. just still in the Santa outfit for the rest of the episode. They airdrop him from a helicopter. You just see, like, a floating Santa coming down on a wire. 
it, it i'd at least take the beard off aren't you gonna be working like inside a dude do you do you not want like all of the you gotta commit to the bit zach Uh, also, we did miss the part, like, right after Hawkeye gets dressed up as Santa Claus, where he just kind of kisses Houlihan. Oh, yeah. Like, it just kind of happens out of nowhere, and yeah, he's like, and, and well, she she liked it, I guess? I don't know if that it's makes... It's Christmas! There wasn't even mistletoe, though. You know, it's Christmas. Spread good cheer. Didn't spread good cheer to Frank, I'll tell you that much. Well, yeah, he's gonna, like, spread hepatitis. <laughs> Imagine if he had had hepatitis and just, like... Oh, yeah, I forgot the plot of that episode is that he doesn't have hepatitis. What if they just kept claiming he did as, like, a running joke to rib him? Like, oh, you know how it is with Frank. Always getting genital warts. That's herpes. It's all the same shit. I speak as somebody who had to get their dick checked out. Not all the same shit. Take care of yourselves out there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's tough out there. Um, that's pretty much the episode. There, I do like how the credits are handled. Where Hawkeye's like reading off Christmas wishes from Major, Major Frank Burns. And it shows like the actor's credits. Larry Linville on. as Frank Burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, does not mention some of his other ostens- you know, ostensibly friends yeah. in the camp. No Oliver, no Ho-John, no Ugly John. I think they've finally figured out that these characters are nothing. Well, then that's great, because in the next episode, we bring back everyone's other favorite recurring season one character, Lieutenant Dish. <sighs> was that Lieutenant Dish? Wait, no, Lieutenant Dish was the blonde. Who's the brunette? Honestly, Zach, I just file I file all these people under Hawkeye's girlfriend this week. But like this is a recurring one. The the short-haired brunette. I don't know. Okay. I need to stop like shrugging and nodding as if those are things that show up (laughs) in an audio medium. Uh so season one, episode thirteen. Edwina. Uh in this episode, Radar does know what sex is, actually. Uh, but he doesn't want it. And so does everyone else. Uh, and Hawkeye befriends a girl with a terrible curse. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dojiko archetype in anime and manga. I, uh, honestly, I was not until you mentioned it and I looked it up. And I'm aware of it as a trope, but didn't know mm-hmm. the name. Uh, well, so, well, sometimes in media you will see uh, a woman or occasionally a young man who is rendered uh, charming and approachable by their clumsiness. MASH decided to take somewhat of a different tactic where uh, Edwina is a nurse who is exceptionally clumsy to the point that everybody is terrified of being around her and nobody wants to fuck. Which is saying a lot, because it is the 4077. So yeah, she's like, it's her birthday, and everyone gets, like, these nice presents for her, but she's like, I don't want any of these nice presents, I want to fuck. <laughs> uh, and one of the other nurses had to, has to explain that, like, well, everyone thinks you're nice and all, but you're a living disaster, 
and you have a, a you were cursed by an awful witch when you were five, and so you fall befall misfortune on everyone you meet. Yeah, she misses her boyfriend, but uh, her boyfriend got drafted and then stopped sending. He stopped like sending her letters, uh, and. Just kind of a sad story. Just- well, it's a sad story, but I was also struck by the line, uh, something like, I'll never forgive the North for starting up. And it's like, I, I don't know <laughs> I don't if know that's if- how it happened. <laughs> and also, I don't know if it's the war's fault. Listen, in war, everybody suffers. Some people are dispossessed or rendered extremely poor. Some people die or get permanently injured. Some people can't fuck. Which is the greatest injustice so of all. you cheat on your boyfriend, like everyone else. But nobody wants to do it! She's fu- she's- I'd say she's fucked, but the problem is she's not. Well, well listen, so, like... Uh, the nurse Hawkeye is fucking basically goes to, to the boys, capital T, capital B, the boys, and says... Okay, someone's gotta fuck Edwina, or none of us girls are ever gonna fuck you guys ever again. It's it's a very highbrow reference to the uh, classic play Liz Estrada. I forget why the women don't want to fuck in that, because they never read Liz Estrada, but, you know. <laughs> to me, it just seems like a, like a script you'd find in John Hughes's basement. <laughs> Just in a box labeled rejects. Yeah, well, like, like, I got nothing else to say about this episode, honestly. Because, like, okay, so then, well, there's a couple things. So, all the boys are get insanely horny because they don't know what jacking off is, I guess. So, like, there's a bunch of gags where, like, Radar is looking in, uh, oh, hold on, I got a quote about that. Wrong one. <laughs> I told you to stop peeking in a nurse's shower. Well, everyone needs a hobby. You're going to be fine. You put a heat compress on it, and you start looking in the men's shower for a few days. Now that's a slashy mash quote. 10 out of 10 right there. Yeah, we need more of them like that. Um, but yeah, so like they're, they're drawing straws to see who's gonna fuck the girl. Before that- That's our only slashy mash quote this episode, by the way, because this is like the most heterosexual episode we've seen so far. Before that, they do try going to Henry, and Henry won't intervene, which I should fucking hope so, because what's he gonna do? Like, tell the nurses? No, you have to fuck them for the good of the war effort. I, like, I don't- we we give Henry a lot of shit for being a doormat, but like this is I think this is a reasonable place How for him to stand his ground. Instead of an episode where one of these unfortunate boys has to have the misfortune of having sex, it could have been something like I don't know. Margaret teaches Edwina how to be a little more suave about it because Margaret has fucked again millions of people. Oh, that would have been like kind of a hitch situation. But like 20 years before Hitch. Yeah. Gave a makeover episode. Uh, honestly, that would have been fun. And would have shown like a new dimension to... Okay, well, here's there's the problem. It would have shown a new dimension to Hulan's character, and they have not yet figured out how to give characters yeah, two dimensions. Cracked, we haven't cracked that one yet. Um, 
But also, like, this episode's just a bummer, because, like, Edwina immediately sees through, like, the whole scheme where, okay, so, like, Hawkeye uh, draws the short straw, so he has to be the one that has to deal with this situation. Uh, so he sits next to her at lunch the next day, um, and they're just chatting, and Edwina immediately notices something is off in the, like, whole, like... Way he's approaching her? Got dared to ask you on a date way. Yeah. Uh... And it gets just, like, uncomfortable. Like, just be honest with her. That's what she... She clearly wants someone to be honest with her and not, like, string her along. Yeah. Uh, But Hawkeye does eventually start winning her over. They arrange a liaison. And then we get this weird sequence where, like, Hawkeye is getting his outfit presented to him by the other men like he's a king while Spanish guitar plays or whatever. It's it's like he's a, a... matador going into the ring uh and you you asked me to clip out some of this music so like you know he's they're putting the kimono on him and he's stepping out into the the camp and it's very dramatic as a brave warrior going into battle (laughs) his little boss health bar showing up on the bottom and it's weirdly Spanish. Anyway, that's all you get. Uh, so yeah, they have a, a little date in the tent in which various misfortunes befall Hawkeye, such as stepping on glass. Uh, basically, all of the shit that happens to Frank and Houlihan in the last episode where their tent falls apart happens to Hawkeye in this one. But, but in this one, it's, like, really distressing. Like, this is the saddest slapstick I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just a date going poorly and everyone having a bad time. Uh, And can we get to, like, the... Okay, there, maybe there's a little bit between here and then, but, like, the weirdest part of this episode? Is it the part where Hawkeye thinks the clumsiness is a psychosomatic defense mechanism? Yes. Thoracic surgeon Hawkeye Pierce, now an expert psychologist as well. Yeah, I I guess his rationale is like, the last relationship went poorly for her, so on some level she doesn't want anyone to get close to her? And so she's like subconsciously elbowing things that set off a Rube Goldberg machine to like knock over a glass on someone's head personally i think the curse theory is more scientifically rigorous i think she has a stand (laughs) okay what's what's her stand called hmm what is her stand called heartbreak hotel okay There is one good piece of physical humor, like, right at the end of this scene, which did save it a little... Still, like, a really awkward scene for the well, most part. Well, it's mostly because, but... like, Hawkeye is overacting, like, his, uh... Like, oh, he accidentally gets headbutted by Edwina, and he really, like, sells it. He's like, oh! Oh! Oh, my God! Oh! Like, covering one eye, like, he just got <laughs> impaled. Uh, but But it ends on a really good one, which is that there's, like, this... 
chimney pipe or whatever in the middle of the tent. Oh, yeah. And just gets knocked over like a falling log and just bonks him on the head and covers him completely in soot. But not the first time they've done the knocks over the pipe in the middle of the tent and someone gets completely covered in soot gag. Yeah, but it still works. This one was better than the last one. Uh, they do have a nice kiss as well, and I thought that part was sweet. I don't know if the episode was like worth it, but I, you yeah, know, it's a nice kiss. And then she's gone because she's like getting transferred at the end of the app. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it, there is a good line where uh, Hawkeye jokes that he might not get back together with his girlfriend because. Um, <laughs> uh, he says, a man can only find grace and aptitude attractive for so long. And then she stomps on his foot and she's like, is that better? And then it turns out he is into that. We say it once every episode of this podcast. Weird app. Yeah, this, this was the weirder one. The, the, the first one was weirder structurally, but like, I like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like the, the setup of... Him writing a letter home. Sure, and all the individual bits are pretty strong. Yeah, even Clinger's, maybe. <laughs> I I enjoyed Clinger's bit. I enjoyed him just being so attached to this scarf that he was willing to, like, suicide bomb a priest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that. But yeah, like, this one felt weird, because it felt like they were trying to characterize, like, the nurses as like a faction mm-hmm. more but they still don't feel like it they still just feel like background characters well it's because Houlihan's the only one that like has a real characterization or name yeah so yeah that's two more episodes of mash in the bucket hopefully we can come back next week and do one instead of skipping a week because like i don't know uh everything is going wrong yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what can break next. Uh, I'm pretty sure the doorknob on my door is going to be the next thing. <laughs> that doorknob is such a disaster. I mean, listen, it can't be as bad as the doorknob to the front of the apartment, which just falls off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is really funny. <laughs> no, listen, if we were in a sitcom, that would... Every time. Which is why I'm not, like, hurrying to fix the doorknob, because when it does come off, it will be funny. Uh, so that'll be at least something to keep me going. Uh, the TV in this room could always short out. Don't jinx it. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, you got anything else to say? You know, when we started the episode, I was like in the back of my mind, oh, I'll figure out a sign off at some point. But then I got distracted by actually talking about the episode, so that never actually happened. Well, you got another week to figure it out. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, I'm a week late to talk about the Monaco GP. But Perez! <laughs> Vamos! <laughs> Vamos indeed. Vamos indeed.